I'm Rabbi Amy. I'm Pastor Ken. I'm Imam Islam. This is Kippa, Kufi, and Color. This week, our guest is former Vermont Governor, U.S. Ambassador, and author Madeline Kunin. I had a friend once tell me that uh, the definition of maturity is being able to handle when other people screw up. How do you handle when other people mess up? What do you what do you do about that? Doesn't it kind of depend on how badly they messed up and what they did? So, like what? What do you mean? Well, for example, when uh, my husband inadvertently left part of the laundry in the dryer and I couldn't find it. No! And he was certain he'd taken it out. What did I do? I shrugged my shoulders and didn't say a word. Well, now you have. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what do you do, Islam? Uh, when people mess up? Yeah. Well, um, that was a think about it. Um, like I, I give them excuse. Um, if you don't give people excuses, uh, you, your life will be a lot harder. I just heard, I mean, I just read a quote when I was outside. Um, a quote of uh, uh, one of our old traditions saying that if I see... Um, my friend, because you know, drinking drinking wine is uh, prohibited in Islam. Right. Um, um, so, when someone says, "If I see my friend, uh, if I see the, the 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 liquor is is dripping off his beard, then I might think that someone may have poured it on him." That's very uh, nice. generous. That is very, very generous. generous. Yes, uh, then I would not think that he drank it. I would, I would have still have good thinking in him as long as I didn't see him. I was still assuming the good intention. Um, so wouldn't, you don't have to be that ideal, but at least you can just give people some excuse when they mess up because you may mess up at any point and no one is immune from that. Wait, what? No, no one can. I mean, anyone can mess up at, at any, Meaning any point. We all mess up. Well, well, let's talk about forgiveness for a second. In my tradition, we have this saying, so somebody comes to Jesus and says, uh, this person sinned against me and asked for forgiveness. And how many times should I forgive them? Like up to seven times seven. And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven, which is. Like about 400, 4,900. It was 40, 490, which is about 489 more times than I wish he would have said sometimes. Um, so, so like, how do you know when should we just forgive period? Should we require some sort of repentance? Should we require, uh, somebody making good on, on what they did before we forgive? Like what, how often should we forgive? What, what should we do about forgiveness? I think we should forgive all the time, uh, thinking that we are all we're all uh, uh, come up short in, uh, in many areas in our lives. And if you'd like, if you wish that God would forgive you, then you should be forgiven to others. Um, I think everything there's a limit for everything. Everyone will reach our limit, and we not forgive anymore. But give this, a, you know, give yourself a room for forgiveness first before you can say I cannot forgive. Yeah. I'm not sure about the number. There is one thing in the Quran also says that you can forgive up to seventy times. Really? Yes. Just I'm like just, in the Christian tradition. Yeah, what, what's up with this number? Why is 70? Uh, it comes out of our tradition, actually. <laughs> but what, there's an indication of this number? Yeah. Seven, it, seven signifies completion. 
And yeah. 10 is, there's certain biblical numbers that are um, symbolic. Okay. So seven signifies completion and 10 signifies a grouping. So 10 sevens is a highly significant number. It means oh. like, okay, done. Okay. That's why they have seven games in the, uh, the World Series final. But, they <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there might only be five. <laughs> But there's also an aspect of forgiveness that's about me just being at peace with what is. So when somebody cuts me off in in traffic, um, exactly zero times those people have asked me for forgiveness, right? Uh, how how do I how do I deal with that in such a way that I'm not um, blinded or contained by my own anger around that? First, I want to say I've had I have had people who wave in apology. I, I just want to say that that's very touching, uh, although it doesn't happen very often. Have you ever had that happen to you? Somebody actually apologize for cutting you off? Yeah, sometimes. But I want to say something about any uh, of this uh, traffic forgiveness things. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I just, uh, I pledge uh, to myself uh, not to respond in, in, in two areas: in, in traffic and on social media. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Because, that's, because people get so brave behind the keyboard yeah. and behind the driving wheel. Yeah. Well, if, they if you take them off behind the body, if you take them, off, if they're walking on foot, or if they're talking to you face to face, they won't be as as brave as they were behind the wheel and behind the keyboard. That's where the courage is yeah, real. Yes, that, there you go. Because if you get behind the keyboard, you can type anything you want, anything your fingers tell you to type. And if you're behind the wheel, what well, hey, well, you're in, in a moving object. You can't get away in a minute or in a second. You can be in the other part of the city in, 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 in 10 to 15 minutes. You know what I mean? So it's actually, um, uh, it used to bother me a lot before. Yeah. But now when I thought about it, I gave it a thought. He said, hey, if that man see me in front of him, and he'll have to look up to see me how tall I am. He will not do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, you know, well, this is great. I've never heard Facebook and I-89 compared like that before, but they're very similar in that way. People act, they have a sense of an anonymity and protection. They can act kind of irresponsibly. So your approach is just do not respond. Uh, that's, that's what I chose for myself. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you have to... In choosing not to respond, has that man helped you manage emotional? It did. Yeah. It did. But also, if someone waits for apology, that's 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 a great thing. That's a great feeling. That's yeah. a great feeling. And either in social media or in uh, uh, in traffic, if someone say, "Hey, I'm sorry," that's a great thing. And I always wait for apology. Sometimes I do cut people off too. I'm not a good driver. <laughs> well, we're not driving with you. <laughs> so I could, I could be, I could have offended someone without knowing that I offended right. him, and then I didn't wait for apology. But if I see someone's waving for apology, that's a great feeling. And if I see someone uh, giving the middle finger, <laughs> I just let it go. <laughs> so, but there, there you go with that that acknowledgement that you could just as easily mm. have done to somebody else what they've just done to you. That's what yes. it means to judge with the um, uh, benefit of the doubt. Yes. And yes. to know that we all make mistakes. It's hard when somebody cuts you off in traffic. It, it's truly hard. So that's a moment of prayer. God, please help me through this. Give me strength yeah. to stay calm, to not react, and to let go of it. So something you just said brought uh, an, an episode to mind for me, which was, um, I remember there was, uh, when I was early on, uh, pre-pastor days doing some software development. And I remember there was one guy who clearly did not do his job and he was supposed to be testing our software. 
And basically every time it came for, we had group status reports and every time we had a group status report, he would just lie about our, about what me and another guy had developed because he hadn't done the work he had to on it. So he would blame us for something that didn't exist to get out of having to acknowledge that he hadn't done his work. And he did this for months. He's not even intentionally trying to hurt me. He's trying to protect himself and lying about me. What do you do with that? Yeah, that's that's a knowing act of harm, but not one that he has acknowledged or will acknowledge right. without some help. Right. Right. So the question is, who could be the one to help him to make that acknowledgement? Maybe in that case, it is a group conversation where the group can say, we have a problem here. Or maybe it might be hierarchical, where the boss says, you know what, something's not right here. Right, right, right. What did you do? Um, I think we just continued to work well, and over time it came out. But it was just teeth-grindingly painful every, you know, every week going through that call and having that conversation and just being ready to explode. Uh, it's tough when somebody's willing to throw you under the bus for themselves. But one of the things I found was that in, in those situations, um, who I'm hurting the most by not, by not being generous is me. Like it didn't matter to him what I thought of him. He obviously didn't care what I thought about him because he's willing to lie about me, but, but that affects me a lot. So, uh, switching a little bit, uh, on, uh, Earlier, Islam, you blew our cover by letting everyone know that we make mistakes. And so, uh, so let's talk about that. What do you do? What do you do when you've messed up? Uh, I mean, we, we have a lot of people who listen to us, who depend on us. We, we're, we're constantly asked to speak in, in public, whether to our congregations or to, to the public at large. And it can be embarrassing. Uh, yes. what, do you, what do you do when, when you've realized you messed up? Well, first and foremost, if I mess up and no one notice anything, I'd be thankful to God. That, <laughs> uh, and I, I, I uh, it, it is a blessing that if God shield you from any uh, uh, right. exposure to other people. Um, and then if if it happened that uh, um, someone, I mean, if I did something a wrong judgment on on things, or if I ruled the wrong ruling between two people, I, I believe public apology is the best uh, best example to show people that we all uh, we all you know sinners or we all can make sins and uh it doesn't it i mean it doesn't hurt if you make a mistake but as long as you apologize for it and i think that's um that's um, to teach the people the core give the people the courage of apology being apologetic uh, that's that's something people should learn too yeah so how do you how do how do how have you found that people respond when you apologize when you mess up and apologize how do people react to that well, the, most of the people, that's a good, that's a good thing that they want to hear when they want to hear their uh, spiritual advisor ad, uh, apologizing. And that's, uh, uh, that's something that they would actually love to hear. Yeah. So, yes. And then we, we have, I believe everyone in, in, in our tradition believes that, uh, we believe that after prophets, no one is immune from sinning. I mean, uh, prophets were the last people, God protected them from sinning. Uh, but after, no matter how righteous you are, you are still vulnerable to make mistakes. Uh, so basically, the least amount of mistakes you're making, then the better you are. But there's no one that's, that's sin-free. Right, know? right, for and sure. And the thing is, uh, some people, for example, if you have rivals in the community that are waiting for you to make any, awaiting any mistake, they will be happy when you see you making mistakes. But the majority will be happier when they hear you apologizing. 
That's right. Hmm. Because ultimately, spiritual leadership and spiritual development for everybody is about humility. Yes, I agree. What do you do? Do you do you, do you do public uh, apologies, private apologies? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm. I'm uh, so in our tradition, we have a scripture that says. Uh, uh, so, so one of our main figures is a guy named Paul who who persecuted Christians before he experienced a, a vision of Jesus and realized that everything he thought he knew was wrong. And so his life was kind of a public apology. And one of his statements was, um, uh, in my weakness, uh, God's strength is made manifest. Um, and, and I rely on that a lot. Uh, you know, I've, I've been very open with my congregation that I grew up homophobic, uh, misogynist and, and, and racist and, uh, and I'm, I'm recovering from those, but, uh, but it's, it's really liberating. It's really liberating to be able to say, yeah, I'm, com- I'm messed up and I mess up and I did that wrong and God loves me. So when you do that, God loves you too. And, and I'm still part of this community, even though I messed up. So when you do that, you're still part of this community too. Yes. And God is closer to us when we acknowledge our own faults. You know, we have in our tradition uh, uh, the the Jewish High Holy Days, which are days of repentance. And we have these prayers that we say on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, that are said in the collective. We X, Y, Z. And there are long lists of sins that we all atone for out loud, even when we haven't done them. And the reason we do that is because we know sometimes it's really, really hard if it's just between you and God or between you and another person. So to be able to uplift it as a shared experience is a way to help everybody to deal with what their mistakes have been. So you walk together in repentance and confession. That's right. Even if you didn't do that thing, because you did something probably. Did something. That's right. But boy, we confess to some horrible things that 99% of us have never done. Because there might be one person in the room who did. And you're not going to let them go alone. That's right. That is really beautiful. Mm, Thank you. So, so I want like, that's an interesting traffic prayer. You know, forgive me for I have cut somebody off. Even if I didn't cut somebody off today, I'm not walk- letting those people who did walk alone. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a really powerful idea. It's very empowering. Uh, at least it's supposed to be. So that if you haven't been ready to admit your mistakes, you've now just been given the path. Very cool. I think we need something that sounds like a conclusion. So here's a, a prayer upon leaving the house. O God, I seek refuge in you, lest I misguide others, or I am misguided by others, lest I cause others to err, or I am caused to err, lest I abuse others, or be abused by others, lest I behave foolishly, or met by the foolishness of others. It is my great pleasure to introduce Governor Madeline Kunin, uh, who has served many roles of leadership in government and 
has a beautiful and wonderful family that I'm privileged to know. And so she's going to be sharing some wisdom with us. Thank you. Nice that you're here. Thank you. Nice to be part of the group. You, you've uh, gotten to deal with a lot of people in a lot of different capacities. How do we deal with other people's mistakes? Things that we, ha you know, aren't our fault, but we have to somehow clean up. Well, I think probably the first thing would be to listen and find out what happened um, and to be a uh, sympathetic listener audience. Um, and it may be they so-called messed up on purpose, maybe by accident, maybe they have regrets, uh, maybe they don't, and maybe what I consider messing up may not be what they consider messing uh, up. Uh -huh. It may be in, in, in my vision that I see this mistake. Um, but I think the first step is to really figure out what happened. That, that's an important part of the next question that we were considering, which is, how do you know when to cut people slack? Well, that's a tough question. Yeah. Um, I don't think you always know, but um, you don't have to take a position right away. I think you could pause and uh, just try to understand. Uh, we shared, uh, I shared with a group here an incident when I was with my wife driving down the road and a lady came next to us um, in the car and she spit. Really? Yeah. And, and then I, I paused for a second, like I uh, look at my, just uh, yes, I paused for a second thinking, oh, what should I do at this moment? And should I, um, I, I was about to exit my vehicle and, and run in front of her car and take her picture. And, <laughs> but I thought that said maybe I'll let it go, we'll be better off. And then I came right to the interview that happened, just right to the interview here. I shared it with her friends and they, they all approved what I did, that, that what you did was the right thing to do. And, uh, and we, well, I, mean, I felt the impact of our uh, conversation that how sometimes you can get good advice from folks that, you know, uh, you, you know, make you comfortable with your decision. And uh, That's uh, one of the hard things, mm -hmm. whether to let it go mm -hmm. or to respond. And mm -hmm. as a woman, uh, I've sometimes in my past been offended by what somebody says or or even anger and um, you don't you don't know whether you make it worse by speaking up or whether you 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 if you don't speak up that the other person thinks well it's okay mm -hmm. I mean she didn't react so it must have meant nothing to her and sometimes you do have to react uh, it depends, of course, on the situation. I can tell you an example. It was when I was in the legislature, and uh, I've written about this, actually. And um, I was just appointed to chair the House Appropriations Committee, which is the money committee. Um, and as a result of that, I was on an, a fiscal committee, which were the chairs of the four money committees, the committee that raises the money and the committee that spends the money. So I thought to myself, now I've really achieved a significant position. So I went to our first meeting and they decided to elect officers. And it went click, 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 you know, the chair, the vice chair. Um, then I realized they probably met 
without me before the meeting. I missed the meeting yeah. before the meeting. Mm. And then they offered me the position of secretary, which I declined. And then one of the members, who is actually a friend of mine, said, well, I think Mrs. Cunin could chair the entertainment committee. <gasps> and I, I just was furious, but I, uh, I didn't say anything. But it had so, so many connotations. But I went to the ladies' room then and started to cry because I didn't know what to do. And then I met this gentleman later in the hallway, and I said, you know, what you said really offended me. And he said, oh, I didn't mean it. But I had to tell him the truth, that wow. this was entirely inappropriate. But wow. it really stuck with me. And I had to respond to him somehow. Right, right. I think that's that, that really connects with what you started off by saying, because I was struck with your original, like you started with listen. And when I'm offended, I'm not in a position to listen right. very well. I guess I, I have to recant. Yeah, uh, you can't. I can't either. Yeah. <laughs> but but you go. But you, you. So in this case, you went and processed, and then you were able to yeah, talk. Yeah, I could talk more calmly. Right. right. That part is important, I think, because you don't just want to be controlled by your emotions. Though your emotions fuel what you're feeling, right. uh, that you have to get back to a position of self-control so it doesn't spill all over the place. Yeah. So is there a point at which that went from the anger and the hurt to forgiveness? Almost. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> That's better than a lot of us. <laughs> well, he really was of the old school. Well, know? yeah. And he thought he was being funny. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. At least he didn't ask you to be on the food cooking committee or something. That I mean, sounds right. pretty close to it. It's that pretty was, close. That was another occasion. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> not, not with the same person. Uh, this particular situation or incident or maybe a different one, if you confronted that person with um, that what he has done, what she has done was offensive to you, um, and if he does not uh, did not show any remorse, or uh, what would you do at that time? If he actually insisted and he said, yes, I meant it this way and whatever, what would you I do? I don't know. Thing? I think I, I would try to continue the conversation and mm. more fully explain how I felt and mm. why and what it meant to me. Mm. And then I, I wouldn't try to bro prolong it because if he feels that way and I feel this way, we're not going to change one another's minds. But I did want to make sure he knew how I felt. Mm. You, you were the first woman governor, right? Of Vermont. Of Vermont. I was the fourth elected in my own right. You know, I, was, I didn't have to wait for my husband, who was the governor, to die for me to ascend to the governorship. Uh, uh, so there's sort of two categories, those who inherited and those who actually ran for office. And uh, in your category, you were the first in your own right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, no, no, the fourth. The fourth. The fourth. So, 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 in that role as a trailblazer, did you feel yourself to be a trailblazer? Well, I felt a certain responsibility that I knew if I screwed up, if I made mistakes that were unacceptable, 
I would make it harder for other women. So I was aware of the symbolism um, that I had to do well. Wow. As just as the women who are running for president now, um, they're, they're on the stage that is different from the stage that the men occupy. That's right. Yeah. So, so one of the things we talked about as, as leaders of faith communities, we're also human and we screw up and, you know, how we respond to our faith community when we're the ones who have messed up. And what you're saying really resonates with that because right. you have this, as you said, kind of a symbolic stature where you're yeah. not just representing yourself, but you're also a human being who messes up. And how how do you, you know, how did you deal? How have you learned to deal? How do you deal with your own mess ups? Well, not easily. <laughs> but, uh, because you're human. Yeah. Um, and I... I criticized myself quite a bit. You know, I always, when I gave a speech, I had second thoughts when it was over. I should have said this instead of that. Um, so I just tried my best and I also have people around me who were supportive. I mean, one of the hard things about being in a leadership position is that you have to acknowledge you can't please everyone. Um, and I think especially women try to please, try to be liked. Right. I guess men do too, but women are sort of a little more prickly about that. And even though I intellectually could understand that, that, you know, the common theory is if you're elected to a position of leadership or appointed, all you have to do is listen to the people and do what they say. Well, the people aren't one unit. Um, so you may have 50-50 on one side or the other. Um, so you have to take a stand, though, um, unless you can get mediate the differences, which sometimes you can do, sometimes you can't. And um, I think it's, it's hard to accept the fact that you can't always be liked when you're in a leadership position. Mm. Yeah. Did your experience of how you would process diff difficult moments, reflecting on your own uh, sense of whether you've done well or not done well, or how to respond to somebody who's been uh, unkind or inappropriate, did that differ in your role as governor and ambassador from when you were mom, grandmother? Did, did they play out very differently in the way you managed well, I think being a mom, with young children anyway, uh, teenagers, is very good training. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, because, you know, children argue, children want to be treated equally. Um, and so I think, um, I think that helped me in a strange way, even though the situations were never parallel uh, for that kind of uh, comparison, but uh, yeah, um, and I think the thing that sort of saved me was that the uh, situation or the situations moved at a very fast pace, so you couldn't dwell on one thing for days or hours because something else came up. Mm. So 
there is a you have to recover quickly uh, and not hold grudges, especially, I mean, one person may disagree with you on one subject, but will agree with you on another issue. So I learned not to make permanent enemies because mm. you need them in the future. Mm. You know, I, I'm digging up old stories here, but uh, I, I waitressed every summer um, in the uh, Tanglewood area, mm. and uh, those were the days you could actually work your way through college. And we all worked together, and there were a couple of women who, for whom waitressing was a full-time job. We just worked in the summer. We were the college kids. and. One of the waitresses named Seal, um, I guess it was Cecile, but we called her Seal, and she talked about the Jews who were very demanding. And I thought about that for a while, and then I finally talked to her, and I said, why don't we just call them New Yorkers? <laughs> and that wow. But I felt the need to speak out. Yeah. But that's a really generous way to react to it. It is. It could have been a lot of, I could have imagined a lot of other things you could have said. Yeah. Could she hear it? Yes. Wow. Yeah, could she hear it? At least she gave me that impression. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think she was a little regretful. But mm -hmm. she didn't know I was Jewish, which is what often happens. You hear things from people don't know. Right. That's your right. background. Yeah. That's right. But, uh, yeah. Okay. This well, is there's so much more we could talk great. about. But we yeah, this has been great. I, I did want to know what's your favorite Ben and Jerry's flavor. <laughs> it's a critical Vermont question. Yeah, I don't know if I have the right name, but coffee something. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me who I vote for. Oh. <laughs> I, I really would like to know that. I'm telling you. Oh, my goodness. Well. Thank you so much. Well, for being thank here. you, and thank, thank you, you for yeah. doing this for the three of you. Oh,